Opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun this afternoon. I have I have two lovely women in the studio with me, which I always enjoy, um, as opposed to having people call in when I can't see their their beautiful faces. And we also have a guest joining us live at the top of the show today as well. Um, if you're listening and you'd like to join in the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, feel free to dial triple eight three two nine thirty three zero six. That's eight eight eight. 329-3306. And please check out our website to see who's coming on the show. Uh, We have a wonderful lineup scheduled through June at this point. And you can find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. So I'd like to go ahead and and, uh, welcome to the show Cindy Livesey. Cindy, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, you are. Very good. Cindy um, is the founder of livingrichwithcoupons.com and the author of Living Rich with Coupons, Empowering Smart Shoppers to Live Rich. Uh, Cindy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's going to be tough to kind of tell your wonderful, amazing story in in just, you know, the 10 minutes that we have um, at the top of the show, but but we're going to do our best, and um, I wanted to just kind of paint the picture for the listeners, if I could, um, about you and your story. And basically, you you were living in, a, in an upscale neighborhood, um, sent your kids to a private school, and, and really were not in a position where you were worrying much about money. Uh, and then your husband lost a very high-paying job, and you decided to change things around. Um, yeah. I, I, my first question for you before I, you know, just kind of let you tell your story is how long did it take you to um, decide you were going to take action? In other words, you know, before you kind of got over the shock and emotion of what happened? Uh, well, it was pretty quick because we had no choice um, in the matter. If it was either that or we put food on we needed to put food on the table so if we didn't take action we weren't going to be eating because even though he had a high paying job we were living way above our means at the time right i really shouldn't have been sending my kids to private school i really shouldn't have been driving um, nice new cars i shouldn't have been doing all these things fixing up the house and things like that mm. so we we when he was faced with unemployment um, and our income was cut like completely. We were in thirty thousand dollars worth of debt, and for all those years that we were married and living above our means, you know, we always had the money to keep paying off. Well, not paying off, but to pay our monthly bills. You know, right. pay that credit card bill each month, and we were just not managing our money correctly. And then we had this shock of the unemployment, which people faced all the time and 
we were in the worst financial condition. We were not prepared, and it was either I needed to figure out how to save money on my groceries or we weren't going to have food on the table. Um, so that's what I did, and I uh, really worked. Um, I was always a couponer, but I was never really you know, a strategic couponer, meaning I really didn't pay attention. I just used a coupon here or there. Right. And I was spending, when we figured it out, uh, sat down and figured out exactly how much we were spending on our groceries. We were spending $15,000 a year on our groceries. And that first year, I was able to save $11,000 just on groceries. Wow. It was crazy. So that really helped us get through that time period. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting to me, Cindy? You you know, rather than um, decide, gosh, I, I better go out and find a job or start a business, you really looked at your financial situation and said, I'm going to change that um, right. well, and we'll be okay. Yeah. Well, that was our first, you know, he was obviously looking for a job, but the market at that time was not very good. Um, and um, you know, I was already working a part-time job. My kids were in school. So, you know, for years I just worked those kind of, I always like to call them kind of mommy jobs because they were jobs that I would work close to home. Um, it wasn't a career job for me. I just was a mom and I had part-time jobs to bring in extra income. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I worked around the kids' schedule. So I already had that kind of a job. Um, and that's, we were, you know, wasn't that much. It wasn't certainly going to cover um, the loss of his income. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I had to then focus on cutting our expenses instead of, you know, where, where were we going if, if we couldn't find it, if he couldn't find a job anytime soon. And yeah. it did take him about a year. Yeah. So, listen, you, you've turned this, you know, turned this into much bigger than, you know, cutting coupons. Um, yeah. Describe for, for the listeners what it was you did and how you managed to, you know, for instance, land on the Rachel Ray show um, with <laughs> your, you know, what, what you're doing. You really kind of propelled to a whole new level. Well, it was kind of crazy the way it happened. You know, um, I was, you know, I'd saved all this money. And uh, like I said, I wasn't the only one, you know, we weren't the only family that were going through these difficult financial times. Um, was this so in 2008, Cindy? It was. Yeah, okay. Yep, 2008 it started. And then in 2009, I said, you know, there were sites similar to mine that were popping up um, around the country. And I noticed that there was there were no sites that were doing what our site does um, in, based in my area, which is the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area. Um, so I said, you know, these people in these areas, I'm not the only one, you know, they need help. And these sites are pretty awesome that do these type of um, aggregating coupons and deals at all the stores. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me, let me just do that for, because friends and family were asking, you know, how are you doing this? How are you saving all this money? And I started out by um, doing it on a completely free platform. Uh, not, you know, I just didn't pay for anything. I just threw up the deals that I was doing and onto the, uh, I think at the time it was Blogger I was using, and which was completely free. Mm-hmm. And um, I, all these people started coming to the site. I didn't know who they were. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you were building a community, right? 
I was. Yeah. And I didn't even, you know, we were just conversing through the, the site and, you know, social media, Facebook and, and, and obviously Instagram wasn't even around, but Facebook was really in its infancy as well. Um, so I would just set up a page there and post something and it would go out to all these people because um, it was so much different than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And um, that all these people started coming and then and I, I was just doing it um, as for free for just uh, because of I wanted the goodness to help of other your people. heart. Yeah, that's what women do. I, <laughs> I just, did I, right. because I felt bad. I was like, uh, if I'm going through this, other people are going through this. So it got to a point though where the business started because I was so naive about this stuff. I didn't even know that sites like these could actually gener- generate revenue, mm-hmm. meaning through ads and affiliates and things like that. So it got to a point though where the site kept crashing because these free platforms couldn't handle the load that was coming on to it. Okay. So I had to start researching how I was going to handle all these people who needed to come onto these, the site and utilize what we were doing. It was becoming this big community. I still have people from day one on the site. And this is what, eight, nine, eight years later or whatever it is that still from day one are still coming on um, and using the site. But I had to find a way to, uh, I couldn't afford to, to um, host this on these platforms that were require, requiring me to pay. Mm-hmm. So then that's where I found out that if I ran ads and, and affiliate programs that it would generate revenue and then it would pay for what I had to spend to host it and redesign it and things like that. And then that's where it all started. And about a year later, um, it just kept growing, and then I was able to – I was working like crazy hours trying to keep up with everybody on the site and all the deals because now I felt like I couldn't let them all down. And um, then I got to a point, luckily, where we had enough revenue where I was able to – and I was still working my other job, mind you. <laughs> of course, yes, um, yes. And I, and I was able to quit my job and do this full-time and then hire somebody. And now we um, employ like 15 people that wow. run the site. Wow. Um, Listen, just, so. Ju- just so you know, Cricket Lee is, is my guest this afternoon. She's listening in, we're, and we're actually live streaming to Facebook. Uh, I wish we had oh. you with us in the studio. Um, <laughs> Hello. But- <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I've been listening to your story. Pretty interesting. That's great. You know, the two of you are such a fine example of, um, you know, a woman seeing a need and just taking action. You know, I I just love that about women. And you really um, are a great example of, um, you know, you didn't necessarily have an entrepreneurial idea, but look what evolved because right. you, you, you know, your need was your family and really having to, from a financial standpoint, do something. And, uh, and it's, it's really um, inspirational because, you, did, you know, pe- sometimes people lose jobs and people get completely, you know, discouraged and broken. They don't know what direction to go. So, right, right. Um, Cindy, I appreciate you coming in on, on the top of the show and sharing with us a little bit about your story. Um, your website is livingrichwithcoupons.com, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes, and I'd love for everyone to go and, and check out your website. And I wish you continued success. And um, do you have, you. you know, plans and dreams to do more TV? Um, yes, probably. You know, whenever it's you know available, I do a certain, uh, little shows here and there. And yeah. Talk about how to save. So good. Whenever it's available, 
whenever someone asks, I'm ready to go. Good. Well, I'm rooting for Thank you. Thank you you're for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, continued success to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Cindy. Uh, so right. now we're going to introduce my very special guest today. Her name is Cricket Lee, and Cricket is the CEO and founder of FitLogic. Hi, Susan. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Did it's the wind blow be... you in yes. here today? <laughs> I feel like we're in Chicago. <laughs> it is yeah. pretty windy out there. It's pretty windy. Sure. And pretty cold since I just came from California. <laughs> did you just – I wasn't sure whether you were coming from California yeah, or New York. I Malibu yesterday morning. You did? Yeah. Wow. That's very nice of you to come here from, from beautiful California. Um, I just want to kind of give a snippet to the, to the listeners and the audience of what FitLogic is. It's a fitting standard that you developed, <clears throat> excuse me, that you developed and includes, just to simplify it, your number size and also a shape, which to me sounds like perfection and, and very uh, common sense. Um, and you've taken this idea um, – much beyond what you saw your need was for yourself and perhaps your small inner circle and women you knew and turned it into a company where um, you're really hoping other brands and designers will adopt this system, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that takes a lot of guts, well, uh, and that's risky. And I know you've been working very hard for many years to really have this company be, um, you know, a, a global system, we'll say. Um, but as we always do on this show, we start at the very beginning when we tell someone's story. Okay. And so I would love to hear about the young Cricket Lee growing up in Texas and what some of the um, what some of your aspirations and challenges were at that time that really speak to who you are today and and where things stand with your company. Well, I think um, at a very early age, I had uh, an aspiration to be a fashion designer okay, and a singer, which I also sing, but I'm not doing that right now. But um, I did, and so I um, always was, you know, excelled in art and that kind of thing. And um, do you want me to tell about my high school? I'd love story? for you. Yes. Okay. So I, the so story <laughs> about you changing the uh, dress code. Yeah, was, so I, was that a um, Catholic school? No, it was okay. a regular high school, Marshall, okay. Texas, and yep. the dress standard was that women had to wear dresses, and they had to, if they kneeled on the floor, it had to touch the floor. But um, the micro mini skirt was in style at the time, and I didn't have the legs, right? So I didn't think it was fair. So I wore pants to school one day, and the the principal said. Um, go home and change clothes, so I was expelled. And then I wore them about a week later, and everybody was going, wow, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> She's a rebel. <laughs> I, I've always been a rebel. And so he said, okay, he said, you know, if you would um, focus on your schoolwork instead of your social, you know, uh, aspirations or whatever, whatever you're trying to do to change society, you know, you could be a valedictorian, but instead you're like, always trying to change everything. So I went home. The third time, 20 women came, or 20 girls came to school with pants the same day as me. We all you know, synchronized it. Yeah. And yeah. so we actually ended up changing the dress code. So I think it's ironic that there'd be a dress code that f told women they had to wear dresses and they weren't allowed to wear pants. Especially um, when and, they and were showing their school. legs. Yeah. yeah. But, but the, the men well, liked watching the young girls with their, their legs. So oh they boy. just let the... The hymns keep climbing up and never said anything. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Okay, so that was an inkling that you were going to buck the system, I guess I'll say. Yes. Right? Um, 
tell me about uh, you. You also were singing, and you were art, artistic. You're clearly a creative soul. Yeah, I've opened for Willie Nelson and B.J. Thomas. Wow, wow. Yeah, B.J. Thomas's wife is a good friend friend of mine. Okay, for years. So, um, yeah, um, I do want to sing again someday. But right now, I'm really focused on Fit Logic. Um, I, I told you before we started that I learned a new word, and that was autodidactic, which perhaps I should have known that word. Um, self-taught, self-taught. Um, and I think that that I, – I want you to talk about that for a little bit because sometimes people have – if they don't have that degree and that education, they somehow feel less than, you know, not as smart as. Um, but that wasn't your well, case. Well, my personal opinion, you know, I think it was – Benjamin Franklin that said, "All you need is a fourth grade, grade education because you just need to sign your be able to sign your name and count, because um, it's only important that you know and focus on what you're doing." And actually, when I was uh, 18, I got married young. That's what you did back in '71. You know, I got married young, and I went to talk to the dean at the school in the town I was living in, and I said, "I'm ready to go to college and give up." I was working two jobs, and give up uh, my part-time work to go go to college and he said honestly he said you're so focused because I had a portfolio and I knew where I was going with my graphic design and so forth he said you're so focused you're better off uh, learning on the streets because by the time you're 22 you'll be making more money than people graduating from school and you'll know what you're doing so he was right by the time I was 22 I was working in an all-male advertising agency in Dallas Texas I was the only woman out of 28 men and it was very difficult because they really were jealous of me and upset with me because I was making the same as them. Wow. So, yeah, it wasn't easy. But I kept going, and I just learned. I would think, okay, now what do I need to know now, and what do I need to know now? So I would just go through and learn what I needed to do in, in advertising and then in fashion design. I went to Europe and studied fashion, fur and leather design in the 80s and came back with my own collection, and then I started doing product development and so forth. So I just kind of taught myself along the way, you know, what to do. How did you land that job at that ad agency? I was good. I was in advertising. You know, I was a graphic designer, and I was good, so I was able to get the job. Yeah. So clearly you've always done things kind of entrepreneurial. I mean, you – I've only had two jobs in my life, really, for other people, two or three. Um, one, you were supposed to have a, a degree to get, but I came in as a contractor um, and worked for the company, and then they ended up, ended up hiring me without checking my – Credentials. Oh. So I became an executive, <laughs> a marketing executive. Wow. Launched a product there, a fashion product. We did $240 million at retail that one year. Yeah. And that was kind of how I learned how to do uh, fashion yeah. retail. You have done marketing and advertising for some big brands, big companies. Yeah. Saks Fifth Avenue and um, yeah. tell me a couple of the other. Haynes, um, yes. Saks Fifth Avenue, Hager in Dallas, JCPenney. I've launched two programs with them. I've launched, I did the first ever pet jewelry. Stanley Marcus mentored me. I don't know if you know Stanley Marcus, but he was the founder of, Stan, uh, of Neiman Marcus. Okay. And he mentored me, and I, so I did the first ever pet jewelry. And I did a bath, hair, and skin care line with Caroline Hunt, who is the, the, son, the daughter of H.L. Hunt in Texas. And just, you know, I launched programs with Ralph Lauren and, and different retailers and so forth, so Ford models. And what is your, you know, when you think about advertising and marketing, what is your philosophy or best practices? You know, I at the end of the day, I think it's always about the story, right? 
I think the I think the main thing that people need to know if they want to do something is that research is the most important thing you can do. And my initial partner in FitLogic, she said, Cricket, you can do one of two things. You can have a fit system that's a marketing thing, or you can have a real technology, and you can test, 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 and retest. And that's what I ended up doing. I made that choice, and the, the testing and the research is the number one thing. Then you have to really um, know your target market, and you make, have to make sure you have a really firm customer base. So that that's the second thing in my mind that you've got to do. And then three, you have to package it, and you have to find very unique ways of getting it to market because there's so much noise in the marketplace now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I decided to use direct response advertising for to launch Little Black Pant, which is like um, P90X or Proactive or you know the the Meaningful Beauty with Cindy Crawford. It's all TV and and digital directed, and nobody in the fashion industry has ever used it. So it was a it was another kind of innovation that I used, but it but it's worked for me. What year was that when you so you actually developed the um, infomercial uh, the fitness infomercial um, idea with uh, Susan Powder? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. What year was that? Um, I'm going to say ninety two. Okay. Yeah, uh, they were going to build like 11 gyms around the country and and have her travel to the gyms and sell her books and tapes. And um, I just said to them, let's put her on TV. Because BJ Thomas, a friend of mine, had been on TV in golf infomercials. So I said, let's put her on TV and forget about about the gyms. And she did $100 in sales the first year. She had a higher household recognition than the president at the time. Now, she's a dynamic woman with a big personality, (laughs) right? She's amazing. So I think that that... You know, is a is a factor in the success of someone, you know, taking um, a, taking a product or a service to television and being successful. But you know, you can only take something to TV that's got an emotional um, aspect to it. It's got to be kind of personal personal greed based. Like it has to make you more beautiful, happier, feel better. You know, sexier, richer, something. Connect, you know, connecting to the to the viewer. Yeah. So, yeah. like when people buy Fit Logic, when they buy little black pants, they're buying the fit more than they are the pant because they can buy a pant anywhere. That's right. So they're buying it because of the fit. You know, like like you tried it. Yeah. And it works. I'm right? wearing it. They can, people can't see that, but I have mine on, and yeah, they're wonderful. Um, one of the things that you know, I read that it it took over 12 years. Is that right? A 12 year period for you um, from the idea concept to the trials of, of the system. That's a long time, and you stuck with it. So I want to know what you would say to a woman who is wants to be an entrepreneur, has an idea, perhaps it's a product, perhaps it's a service. There's always highs and lows, right? What is it about you that has allowed you to keep knocking on the door and saying, look at this great idea I have? Look at this system. Well, for me, it's a it's a spiritual journey. It's like it's a character building um, program for me because I have to I had to let go of everything material to get here. There have been so many years where it was just me by myself, mm-hmm. and I didn't have like I've been homeless several times. I've had people trade out for stock for me to stay there, you know, and I just keep going and I find a way. And it's something amazing to see how women have supported me getting here. It's just I, I can't even say what it's been like. Just like my friend JoLynn Yanates here in the studio with me, she came up to me at, a, at an eWomen Network event, and she just said, can I help you take pictures? And she's just, you know, just women are, are so wonderful. She's just been a great friend to me, and I, I just appreciate women so much. And still today there are women, you know, um, that help me every day get 
in some way. Yeah. Now invest you, or yeah. help me do something. You mentioned, you said a spiritual journey. Is Can you talk about that? Of course. Tell me, you, what is your faith? What do you, where do you go in those tough I'm, times? I'm not a religious person. I was raised Baptist, but I've, uh, I've kind of more gotten to be in a personal relationship um, with God. Mm-hmm. And I just feel very strongly. I meditate every morning and pray and, and try to stay as close as I can and try to stay out of my head because, you know, um, I grew up in a very, very much of a victim attitude. And it's really, it's really something that I, um, it's a challenge every day not to go into my victim, you know, about they did this or they did that. I mean, I've had every major, many major brands try to copy FitLogic, and I just kept going because I knew that if I just kept going, it would someday make its way. And sure enough, they couldn't really figure out what I was doing. So it's all it's all good. You know, you just let, let competition happen. And I would say to women out there, don't worry about the competition. Don't worry about if you've got the money or not. Just get up every morning and live your dream. And that's all I can say. It's the persistence. It's the tenacity. It's the passion. It's the, it's the, rea- it's the authenticity that you are and the transparency that you are, willing, being willing to share yourself with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so important today is, is, is authenticity. And transparency. Yes, yes. So, how do you um, how do you get past the fear? Um, we talk about this on the show all the time. That um, you know, there's the world's a scary place, right? There's a lot of things going on in the world that um, we hear about and see every day, all day long, right? Because of the internet. But as an entrepreneur and taking on the risk of starting a company, and that's it's stressful. Um, how do you get past the fear of what if it doesn't work? You can't think what if it doesn't work. You can't let that in your head because there will be a lot of evidence to that effect. You have to ignore any thoughts of failure or fear. And the failures come, but you have to look at the silver lining, like what is about this that I have to, to get for myself to make it right, and until you get that, until you embrace it, like you have to embrace that God is bringing everything into your life to, to realize your dreams, and everything that comes is perfect. And it's hard to stay with that thought, mm-hmm. but it's really the truth because mm-hmm. everything at the on the other side of it, I always say, oh, that's why that happened, because of my ego, or that's why it happened because, you know, I was supposed to let go of you know, like my daughter's by herself in L.A. right now. It's a little scary for me to be moving toward, you know, toward New York and to be going on, going after the fashion industry. But she's a big girl. She'll be okay. Are, are so, you working together? Is she yeah, she works with for you? the company, yeah. She does, uh-huh. yeah. I was hoping you would bring her here today. Yeah. yeah. That must be nice to have to be work. That's a, you know, mother-daughter relationship, and she's able to provide for you all kinds of, you know, uh, Ideas and thoughts yeah, about... Yeah, she's great. She's been doing modeling for the company, and she's uh, doing our social media. She's working with um, our operations, our COO mm-hmm. in Dallas, uh, I mean, in, in L.A. right now. Yeah. Cindy Messing. Um, when you talk about, you know, having the faith, and, you know, I wrote down uh, a quote from someone that you, you've you worked with, Dan Danielson, uh, co-chairman of Mercury Media, mm-hmm. and he said a lot of clients don't have the fortitude to stick with it like cricket does. And did you have that when you were young, you know, when you were a teenager, or did you develop that through launching this business? 
I think I always, if I made up my mind, I'm hard-headed like my mother, and I think I just made up my mind, and I just never, never looked away from it. I did have an interesting uh, message on LinkedIn from the top, one of the top futurists in the world. His name is Joel Barker. A few months ago, and he said, he said, I tell people it takes between 10 and 30 years to really change an industry paradigm. He said, and congratulations, you got there in 15. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but most people discount anything over 10. And it really has been interesting because people saw this barrage of PR on me back in when I was in New York testing. I, I did five years, I did the FIT system research, and then five years I tested with Macy's, Nordstrom, QVC, mm-hmm. so forth. And somebody's calling me on my phone. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, and um, so I think the um, that. The last five years really have been the development of all the consumer direct programs, you know, studying customer service, trying to see how we could make customers happy. We fit uh, 85% of women right out of the box, and then women have to try a second pair. But once you know your um, size and shape and fit logic, like you got yours right out of the box, right? Mm-hmm. Well, right. 85% of women get it the first time. Then some people have to try a second time. But at the end of the day, we reduce returns to like 5%. So you only have to return after you have your fit if you don't like the style. So the idea of having many, many brands adopt FitLogic and our, we're, we just patented a, a mobile app and women will be able to go in there and then if they're in our database, we'll lead them to clothes that look good, that clothes that fit and show them in where, where they are in the store or on their phone or you know online or whatever. So that's the dream is to have like an Uber app logic where women just go in there and they just say I want a pair of white pants or I want to see an outfit and we just lead them to dresses and tops so ha- and jackets and everything with FitLogic. Yeah, well that's, you know, as um, as a happy customer with the with the first pair of pants that I got, I, I'm hoping that it, you know, um, grows into other pieces and how close to that are you? Well, right now we're um, we're about halfway through uh, re restructuring our plus size and petites. We hope to have those out by fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working on tops. I think we're, I'm trying to add sweaters for fall as well. Okay. So you'll be able to buy a sweater that looks good on your shape. Yeah. So that'll be a, a next thing. And then tops will be fitted. You know, there's there's four shapes on the top, three on the bottom. So you mix and match those yes. together, and then you'll have a dress. Right. So that's kind of the idea of it. And I want to do away with sizing totally so that once you're in our system, you never have to look at a size again. You get to the shopping cart. If you've changed your body a little bit, we'll ask you the question. We'll adapt it because we know exactly what to do with the information. Mm-hmm. And so you shouldn't have to try on any more. Oh, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to take a break for our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk more about the company and how you, you know, all the ins and outs of the business of the company. We'll be right back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm pleased to announce the opening of the region's newest, most innovative gynecology practice in the Philadelphia area in mid-November, Montgomery Gynecology. Led by Dr. Hima Janogada in a welcoming boutique-style setting, she and her team are committed to providing the highest standard of cutting-edge care without losing the personal touch that is so very important in today's world. With a particular interest in minimally invasive surgical options, Dr. Hema completed advanced training in robotic surgery and is one of only two surgeons in Montgomery County who performs this highly specialized single-site robotic surgery. For more information on the opening of this exciting new practice in the convenient Plymouth Meeting location, go to www.montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-444. 3411. That's montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411 to make an appointment today. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I have with me in the studio this afternoon Cricket Lee. Again, Cricket is the CEO and founder of Fit Logic, and it is a it's a it's a fitting standard. But she's selling um, the little black pant right now, so you can find her products um, actually on FitLogic.com. Littleblackpant.com. Is it littleblackpant.com? But of course. Plans are in the works to expand the line into all t- types of other pieces, which... Well, I actually did Little Black Pant to prove the concept. Okay, yeah. Because people never really believed I could standardize fit. I mean, nobody thought so, and I wasn't able to get it adopted when I tested in New York. Yeah. So um, even I was on the cover of Wall Street Journal and Today's Show and all that stuff. It's like I couldn't get the industry to adopt it, but it was way too early because at that time there was only 3% of the sales were attributed to online. Today, it's like, what, 18 to 20% of apparel sales? Interesting. So, so they need I, they need FitLogic desperately now. Okay, so timing sometimes is everything, right? Yeah. I couldn't understand why the concept wouldn't have immediately taken off. So talk a little bit about how you've gotten a tremendous <clears> amount <throat> of media attention in print and, and television, and um, but explain for the listeners why it is that, in general, the FitLogic methodology, is that a... I'm not sure I'm using the correct it's word, a but scientific hasn't taken off. system. Yeah. Well, so um, when I tested in New York with the major brands, it's like the brands all have to have their own fit separate. They want to be different than each other with their fit. The problem is that the onus is on the consumer to find something that fits, and it's still the problem today. So like 86% of women can't find clothes that fit. Right, so if there are six in, with one designer, they're going to be an eight with another or, or a four. two with another or 12 with another. Yes. I mean, anybody can attest to that. It's just right. all over the it's place. Men, men have problems too because they, they have shapes as well. They do. So the standard was set in 1952. with the, they, they measured about 2,500 military 25-year-old women that were all Caucasian, and then they took the measurements and averaged them out, which is really the hourglass shape. 
Okay. And so I discovered I had to t- throw out the book and start over and, and discover the three shapes on the bottom to, to get there. But it's, it's um, you know, the industry has been applying fit on one fit model. So they'll take a woman that's like a size 6 or a size 8 and a shape 2 and because they have all measurements that they have to live by. Mm-hmm. And then they fit on that woman. So they get a sample made, they put it on her, and they pin it to that woman. And then they add like a half an inch or an inch all the way around the pattern. Okay. Well, that's not how our bodies change. Right. Like, you know, you're a shape three. Right. So you know when you gain weight, it's going to be in your thighs, right, in your, right. In your bottom. Right. And, well, women in my shape, which are shape one, we're going to gain our weight around the middle. Right. And our, th- our thighs get slimmer. And it's always so, the case. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy because there's so many different types of people. But for women in particular, in general, it your your I'll say your weight gain is in one of those three areas. It is. So, like so, for instance, uh, JoLynn's here in the, in the room. She's a shape two. I'm a shape one, and you're a shape three. So there there you go. Yeah. Uh, about uh, 50% of Caucasian women, like the top half of the globe, mm-hmm. are shape one, and about 50% of women that are Latin. And African are shape three. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a combination of mixture depending on your geographic location. So it's really a global fit system. Yeah. So even across different cultures of people and backgrounds, it works you're for gonna everybody. Fall into you're going to fall. Three. So like if you live in China, you're maybe a, a shape one or shape two, petite. So you'd probably be a double zero point one, petite. And that's so if you des- if a designer were to design for that woman, that's those the clothing that that woman would see in our in our system. She right. would only see what was going to fit her body. Okay. So you um, developed the system, and mm-hmm. then, of course, you designed the pants, which are wonderful. The biggest challenge, it seems, has been trying to get other brands to adopt <coughs> this um, system. And so you are licensing your FitLogic system to uh, – isn't uh, – what is it um, – one of the brands has already picked it up. Well, not not yet, really. Uh, right now, we're I had to prove it, really. So I started Little Black Pant to prove the concept. We sold 125,000 pants last year. So that company, that division of the company is really stabilizing now. Okay. And so now I'm going to start looking at how I'm going to license it into the industry. I did test license it in the beginning with, like, Jones Apparel Group and uh, Garfield Marks. Are and, they using that? Um, no. No, Okay. Mm-hmm. No, the founder uh, wanted to license it, but it was just too early. I mean, okay. I have a lot of people that love FitLogic that I've met with that would like to do it, but I haven't. We, we're just now going back to them. I had to kind of prove the concept to get all the consumer direct programs and all that designed. So now we're ready. We're ready to start licensing now. How about um, have you thought about focusing on a brand new designer or brand as opposed to going to the big ones that have been around for so so long and would have to change their whole system well the thing about fit logic is it is a change in the way it's not a change in tooling or anything like that it's a change in your parrot in a paradigm but you know to make the clothing and to like pick a shape and so forth it's just more efficient to do it with bigger with bigger companies that can they are can really get behind it okay well they could adopt it and and kind of you know bring it, build it to build a larger, it in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A larger so, customer base. So, you know, I just take it a day at a time. I didn't I did, I don't really see time um, very well. I just saw the end game and I stay focused on the end game and I let other people around me kind of make sure everything's in the right s- stage of development or so forth. Can you talk about what you have seen many years you've been in the industry and what you have seen in the fashion industry in particular that has changed with their marketing and advertising 
with this piece over here of women's empowerment and and you know talking to women to not be so focused on their body shape you know we talk so much about that um on the show not so much about that on the show but you know there's conversations being had now that since the beginning of time we've said it's more important what's inside on on the outside however our culture and society is very focused on the appearance of women and so I know that there's been a shift in the in the fashion industry, um, but it doesn't seem that we've come as far as we we should. Well, I think the the issue has been um, well, you know, Dove did a good job of kind of that's a exposing great the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Tim Gunn has been on a on his on the bandwagon. He's getting regular people on Project One Way. People are starting to see that sixty percent of women are size twelve or over. So you can't you know you can't worry about you can't not address those women, but I think the industry doesn't really know how to. Like I know, um, like Neiman's and um, I guess it's okay for me to say the brands, right? But but like yeah. Neiman's and Saks, they let go of their plus size departments because they didn't. They had young designers that didn't know how to dress older women, and they didn't understand shapes. Okay. So like if you're over 40, or you know, you don't want to really show your upper arms, especially if you're over size 10. There's just a lot of things about how you dress by shape and so forth that the yeah. industry doesn't know. Doesn't really know, um, so I don't think they really know how to address it. So they're starting to do things like scans and so forth, which I did like, you know, 12 years ago. So I've already got, been through the issue of developing it, and now the industry's ready for it, and I'm ready. Okay. So I, they weren't ready for it. They didn't. They didn't want to hear it. They all wanted to have their own fit. Now with e-commerce, they really can't stop the the movement of of fit. I think, um, you know, there was an interview on Today Show. I was on Today Show with Meredith Vieira and. Um, uh, she had uh, Kate White and Stacey London on there talking about Fit Logic, and Stacey London said, "Well, Cricket's idea is brilliant. It addresses shapes, which is very necessary." And then Kate White, who's the editor in chief of Cosmo, said, "But unfortunately, we as women only get what we what we ask for." So I think that's the point: is that it's important for women if you really want a fit standard. If you're tired of trying on clothes and you're trying to retur- try to returning clothes, you know, try a little black pant because if once you're in our database, we'll be able to lead you to things as, as people adopt it. So I'm just asking women to kind of get behind the idea and help me mm. build, tell their friends and so forth, help me build this movement toward a fit standard because the industry needs it now and it's time. And it's time. So what kinds of, other than, you know, coming on shows like mine and doing media uh, and television, what are some of the initiatives you're you're working on to educate women? Because, you know, that's the thing. It's so very common sense, right, that in fashion, you know, it's more about our shape. It's not about the number. And how do women really support it and speak out about it? What types of things are you doing to educate them? Well, I'm about to start doing more PR. This is the first, really, interview I've had in, in quite a while. Okay. Um, I kind of shut it down while I was doing the next level of research and so forth, so I'm ready to start talking about it more. I think social media is extremely important mm-hmm. and telling, you know, people to tell their friends and so forth we we um, have had to kind of walk before we crawl so we're getting ready to start um, making a way for women to come back and shop more and look at it we've got like we've got brown and gray um, two pants but women have to call the 800 number right now to get them so 
we're just taking it a step at a time to get it to the next level. Yeah, there is a lot of research to be done. You know, as you said earlier in the show, that you really need to be, you know, knowledge is power. And when you're going to go into a meeting with a big company and try to get them to, you know, to listen to what you have and what you've done, it takes a lot of preparedness, right? Yeah, and we're and we're ready. So we're now looking for the right, like we're talking to licensing agents and so forth to help mm-hmm. us with that piece of it and. I'm actually up here moving toward – I was in New York for five years, so I'm looking at being in New York again to start, start talking about the licensing piece. And I have a lot of people in the industry who loved it back then and will love it now that we really have proven it and so forth. So it's just time to get the word out. And I think marketing, to your point, marketing has changed so much. I think um, celebrities and, and bloggers really drive fashion today. It's not so much the fashion designers anymore. And, like, the supermodels are really bloggers and, and, and women that are out there making themselves supermodels and so forth. So yeah. it's it's really changed. The whole paradigm has changed around fashion. It's not so much driven. You remember the movie Devils Wears Prada where it was driven? They talked about it being driven from the top down. It's no longer like that. We're now – we now dress in tribes. We now – are with our own specific area. Like if you look at the kids, there's bohemians, there's punks, there's, you know, there's gang, gangster, and, and there's all these different looks that the, that they have. They're not dressed like when we were kids. We dressed, everybody kind of followed the trend and tried to be the bottoms. most fashionable. <laughs> yeah. If it was the 70s, I was in bell bottoms. Yeah, and, me too. Yeah, right, you know, flower power and all of that. Um, but, but that's a really wonderful thing because that allows kids to really kind of, mm-hmm. you know, represent who they are. And at the end of the day, something I always want to say because I love fashion. And sometimes it can seem, you know, when we're talking big, heavy topics of the day and social issues and things that are really, really important going on, fashion is art. You know, it really is. And so um, that's the part of fashion that I love. And you should be able to. Um, care about it without it seeming frivolous and wanting to express yourself in what makes you comfortable. And men, just in, it's not in their DNA to care as much as women do about what we're putting on Well, we on dress them day. anyway, don't we? <laughs> I think 80% some, of women. Some men, yeah. <laughs> the tie is picked out, the jacket, right, right. Um, but I do, I think that it's, it really is a wonderful way to express yourself in, in fashion. And, and you, as you get older, it's more about being comfortable than it is about wearing the latest, absolutely. greatest piece, Absolutely, right? and, and, you know, the interesting um, thing about my vision is really kind of a, a changed-around vision of Bill Gates and, and, and Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs wanted to lay technology and simplicity under um, – I mean, he wanted to lay um, simplicity and beauty on top of technology. And I want to lay simplicity and, and uh, technology under the – Art of fashion, art and beauty of fashion, and the business of fashion. Tell me what, the, what just tell me what that means when you say that. So, so I would like Fit Logic to lay as a technology and a simplistic, a simplicity, you know, a simple way to use technology underneath the business and art of fashion. Okay. Yeah. And Bill Gates wanted to have uh, Microsoft in every home in the world, and he made seventy-five percent of that happen. So I just combined those two visions to my vision, which is really laying the art, laying the the uh, technology and simplicity of Fit Logic underneath the art of fashion, and having it be in as many brands as possible, so that women don't have to look anymore. They just know they're a shape one, and they go online in their their favorite store, or they go through our app to that store. Yeah, and that's a big vision. 
right? It's, it's a very big, big, big vision to have something become really globally a standard. And I think and I can see it clearly, can't you? I can totally see it. I, I mean, can. women have if we have a say, and I think we're learning that we have a say. Yes. Right now, especially. Yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, you can make anything happen if if you if you have a good idea and you believe in it, which you do. You can make it happen. One of the things I always say is the most important is the story of behind the person who who developed this. So in your your case, it so much of your brand, the brand of FitLogic, is about you and what you have overcome in order to make this happen. That when people hear that story, that resonates with them and then they want to support you and and you know, they'll want to buy your clothes. So I want you to talk more about um how you overcame, you know, you you very much brushed over. Um, I, I was homeless at one time. That's four times a big deal. That's a big big deal. How you how what pulled you out of those situations and kept you going? People. Uh, so it's people more than maybe your faith and your spirituality. There was well, always someone that put a hand mm, out to no. you. Yeah, well, it, it's it, it's my belief in what I'm doing and my passion. But it's the people around me who who love and trust me to get where I'm going. Like people didn't invest. I mean, I've never had an institutional investor. I've been through due diligence with Mark Cuban. I've never had a big money guy in this company because they do things differently than I would do. Like, you know, like they want to take control and so forth. And and I have a lot of investors because a lot of people have helped me, men and women. Mm-hmm. And so it's just I meet people, and it's like God brings the right people at the right time to take me in or do whatever it needs to happen, or you know. And I don't even have to think about it anymore. It's kind of like you know in the Bible, the what is it that says about the lily in the field? You know, it's uh, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know the quote, but anyway, it's like we're always taken care of. And really, at the end of the day. As long as we have people around us that love us, that we love, mm. and we have a roof over our head and a bed and food, that's all we really need. Well, so I if would, you're willing yeah. to live like that, you can have anything because then, then the commercialism can't take hold of you and stop you. Okay. How do you um, – there's a lot of um, – and I think I can say this uh, – superficiality in the fashion industry, right? So there's um, there's parts of it that are – very superficial, let's say. As someone like you who is very thoughtful and warm and gracious and spiritual, how do you handle when you're sitting in front of someone who um, doesn't share those same values? Perhaps they, you know, they're just kind of more focused on. You really want to know? I do. I want to know. I just shed love on them because it's not about me. So you, uh, there's an expression, kill them with kindness. Yeah, I just right. like, I can't, I can't, if I let every naysayer touch me, like there are times when I, it's really hard. There, there have been really difficult times for me through the years when I would wake up and I'd see some big retailer with some semblance of what I was doing and mm. it was gut-wrenching for me. Right. Because I thought it was over. And you didn't have the voice, really, to write, speak oh, out against it. I didn't have any it. money. I couldn't, like... Like one law firm wanted to wanted to sue this big company, and they said you can either spend the next six months in due diligence because they will fight it, 
are, you can keep going with fit logic. So I had to just let it go. I had to let it go over and over and over again. Over and over. But yeah. you know, the good thing is, I will say that there's there's something that's magic about fit logic because 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 my belief and, and my spirit is kind of in it that nobody can really take it from me. It belongs to me because I invented it. And I think a lot of people that invent something, if you've got something on your shelf that you haven't looked at in 10 years, it's still yours. You could launch it today. The timing may not have been right. So never give up on your dreams, no matter how. I was talking to a woman this morning who is has helped me and is helping me. And she said, well, I just don't know what I want to do. And she's not, you know, she's not a... A young girl anymore and she said I don't know what I want to do and I said yes you do you know if you look inside you'll figure it out she said yeah I really do I said so just do that just go research it and figure it out I'll help you package it because I love to help people I'm happy to help any entrepreneurs because I know how hard it is to get a new product in the in the market yeah because the big corporations run the world now for sure you know I, I think one of the things that's tough for women is, you know, when, when someone sits and says, you know, what, what are you passionate about? What do you love? Turn that into a business or a company. That's hard. Um, one of the questions I always think is a good way to help you figure that out is to ask what brings you joy and what is most important to you. And sometimes those two questions can kind of help you get to that so for you it was you know fashion was something you were always interested in right yes but it was after actually after 9-11 I was sitting there I had a daughter um she was um I guess she was probably eight or nine and I was sitting in my living room floor and I didn't have any money marketing was killed at that time and I'm sitting in the floor and this little voice came and said do what you love and the money will come and I said I might as well because I didn't know what else to do. So I got up the next morning and I started a Cricket Lee brand for Target, actually. And and Trish Adams, who's the the uh, senior VP there, let me study the women and the traffic patterns in Target. And that's how I learned because when a woman walked in the store and she was over 40 and she was a size 10 or above, she would look at Mosimo, think, oh, that's really cute, walk over to Cherokee and then walk out of the store. So I was able to use that and start studying, oh, oh what's going on there? There's something about the styling. There's something about the age. There's something about, you know, shapes and so forth, and there's something about, you know, the fashion designers not knowing how to dress the biggest, the most disposable income demographic, which was the baby boomers like me. They weren't able to address that market because the fashion designers were 22. They didn't have a clue how we wanted to dress or so forth. So there's so much of that going on where the designers are young, and they're just trying to compete with each other on something cool and that looks good. But, you know, I walked in Nordstrom – a few years back, and there was these cutest tent dresses. They were so cute, and I would have bought one, but they had little cap sleeves. It's like a large-sized woman's over 40 is not going to wear a cap sleeve. So that's what I'm saying. It's about the. It's also about the styling preferences and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, and then of course the the you know behind the the designing and you know trying to get a good fit and all. It's really about you know helping women to feel good. The, the, the truth is we have to wake up every day and put on clothes and go out into the world, right? And so when you just kind of feel really good in, in your own – it helps you feel good in your own skin, I'll say. Then it makes everything else better. Well, when you feel good, when you put something on and it fits and you feel – it makes you feel good about yourself. 
because we're so debilitated when we and men don't understand that they go in a dressing room and it's like oh it doesn't fit no big deal but with a woman it's like what's wrong with me oh, you know, know. It's awful. <laughs> and, and, I, and I filmed in our field trials and that's how I got the test with Macy's and, and Nordstrom and QVC in the beginning because I was filming women in their field trials and they were saying well something's wrong with my body I can't fit but I fit in fit logic and it fits you know and yeah. and I just thought oh wow it's an emotional attachment they feel bad about themselves when they shop yeah and so that's how I was able to get the big stores to even test it. Yeah. Well, listen, I I, I think it's a, an amazing idea, and I can't wait for the other pieces to come and different, you know, styles of the pant um, because it worked for me. And, you know, ladies, if you're listening, I'm wearing, you know, my, my FitLogic pants, and they really do. They, they came out of the box and felt custom, and that's really hard. It's hard enough to get that when you walk into a retail shop, let alone order it online. So let's make sure um, – Give the website where people can go. Okay. Because I know there's a couple. It's littleblackpant.com. Our littleblackpants.com. Either okay. one will get you there. And so if someone types in FitLogic. Well, it, they'll, it'll lead them to Little Black Pants. There's a FitLogic page, but it's just if you want to try the fit, you click there. Okay. Or if they want to, you know, get to me, they can just type in, uh, just send me an email at info at fitlogic.com. And they can also Google Cricket Lee and, you know, all about and they'll get everything. Um, how about your Facebook page? Yes, I'm on Facebook. Um, there's a Little Black Pant page on little Facebook and a FitLogic page on Facebook as okay. well. Love it. I, I thank, thank you. you so much for thank coming so in much, and telling Susan, your story. Great. Thank yeah, you. it's been fun. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Again, please visit our website to find out who's coming on the show. You'll find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. And we're also on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram now. We have a very active and wonderful Instagram page. Um, and where else? Facebook. Women to yeah. Watch, womentowatch.net. So that's it, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.